welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm here today with the Von Niederhauser family. The Von Niederhauser family consists of Rachel, the mother, Steve, the father, and six children ages 14 to four months. Steve and Rachel have a very powerful way of living, which is on purpose, and that's why they're here today. They say that sometimes it feels a little weird to buck the cultural norms of not owning a house and putting down roots, but instead of using their money to buy cars and a house and eating out regularly, as much of America does, Steve bikes to work, Rachel bargain shops, they rent a basement in a home in a good neighborhood, and they homeschool their kids. They then turn around and put all their money into a project called Family Humanitarian, where they travel to Africa and South America to help the poor across the world by helping them create better living conditions. This they do with all their kids in tow and other families as well. So today we're gonna hear their story and also a little bit about how their lifestyle and Steve's savvy with social media has garnered them a 50,000 plus followers on Instagram, where it also caught the attention of Royal Caribbean Cruise Line and turned into a partnership of cruising the Caribbean on the cruise line's dime, very nice, sharing with their followers a story of creating an unorthodox life. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast, Rachel and Steve. Thank you. Thank you. We do sound crazy. Yes, we are crazy. Thank you, Lori. Did that sound crazy? No. That, that is orthodox. That's a good word. That is on purpose living. We just needed validation. No, that was good. I love it. I think it's beautiful. So let's start with who were you when you started this journey? Why did you start the Humanitarian Project? And who were you before you started that before we started the humanitarian work just like now we're just regular people you know just going to college and and working those normal things started our family and students and we love that we love that so much and getting to know um, people from around the world and Steve and I both come from amazing families where we always had great family dinners and there was a lot of love and unity and service in our families. So then as we were in college, we noticed people, you know, who needed, might need, who were away from their families. And we wanted to invite them to our families and our families were open and they, you know, they'd let us bring any friends, any, any people over. And so we met such dear friends that way. Where did you guys go to college at? Utah State University. Yeah, we're both Aggies, true Aggies. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yep. We have a room full of Aggies. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, so after that, then let's see what happened next, Steve. What'd you say? Well, I'd like to actually take it back a, a step further uh, and uh, reiterate what Rachel said about our families. Um, I, I feel we both came from very um, open and amazing parents. I always recall um, somebody living in our household growing up mm. and uh, even had friends, a couple friends that lived with us during high school 
Um, and my mom just had the, the house always open to people. So the nickname for my mom was the mother of all nations because uh, we had many different walks of life uh, coming through our door. And it was just part of who we were. The door was always open. And well, I that think, makes a lot of sense yeah. of where. <laughs> said for Rachel's family, uh, her parents would always do the same. They would always be watching out for neighbors who needed help and, and um, taking care of the kids and always doing things for so many different types and kinds of people. So it's just where you come from. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah, my parents the same. There's so many times my parents were the type of people, they would do the service that other people, you know, would do but wouldn't do they wouldn't make that big of a commitment. So, you know, maybe someone needed help. And so, of course, most people would say, sure, I could do that for a couple hours or I could do that for a couple days. But my parents, you know, would help a family out for a whole summer or a few years at a time. Wow. And it was, it's really amazing. Our parents, really, they wow. gave us that gift. And I think from that, um, maybe instilled in us wanting our children to have uh, a world type of view mm. and just to have open hearts and to be uh, kind and loving and compassionate and like Rachel said early on we we had the desire um, we met with or we had friends international friends that didn't have places to go so that door was open and then I think that just kind of snowballed and, and led into other things well and you wanted to give the same gift to your children that your parents had given to you guys which so in a, in a previous podcast episode, I'm quoting from a book called Deviate by Bo Lotto, and one of the things, he's a neuroscientist, and he's specifically talking about how people who travel and get outside their own cultural norm, that the, the neural pathways in their heads broaden enough that they can, they create bigger futures for themselves because they are exposed to things that are beyond just a small, narrow space of understanding. And so to do that and provide that for children at a young age has to be phenomenal just for their, for their intellectual growth and the capabilities of what they can do also because you're, you're building neural pathways for them that go far beyond one way or one culture or you know one correct Definitely. you know yeah so that's yes. huge and that's a phenomenal gift. and the amazing thing is is you don't have to travel much farther than your own neighborhood or your city to find that you know, to get that cultural experience, to get kids out of their comfort zones, to get adults out of that comfort zone where your neural pathways can be expanded. Okay, so how do you do it then? What is the humanita- the Family Humanitarian Project? Um, well, Family Humanitarian started with some different partners, some in Texas and some in Salt Lake, and uh, we had contacts actually in Guatemala, so we started there. And... We do different projects, water projects, education, um, building schools, uh, different trainings like business trainings and stuff, medical clinics, but we really believe in knowledge transfer and working working with villages or working with local needs, you know, to find out what they want and need, not us coming in saying, here's what we think you need or here's what would be better for you. Which is huge. As a folklorist and studying ethnographic research, that's one of the big things that, that one of the big mistakes that a lot of organizations make when they go in. They're like, you need a well right next to your city. And then you dig that well, not realizing that actually for them, their culture, the women walking that 
you know, five miles was how the women bond and get away from their abusive husbands. And, you know, I mean, you just don't know what's going on in the culture. So asking those questions is so smart. Yes, so village-driven projects for sure. And, you know, people have good intentions and they have big hearts. Yeah. But there's been a lot of damage done, uh, specifically in one area we went to. There was a $10,000 medical gift, uh, an ambulance and all these medical supplies and stretchers and and all different types of instruments. And um, we went down there and all of it had been unused. All the boxes were so closed. And they said, oh, yeah, about five, ten years ago, somebody gave us this. And Did they just not know what to do with they it? They don't know what to do with it. Wow. And, and the ambulance, it broke down. It's a big V8 engine. They don't know how to fix it. Sure. Um, so a lot of that stuff just went unused, wasted $10,000 that could have um, went to hopefully uh, training and and developing local leaders and providing education for them. So how do you guys get comfortable? Like, so here you are in your culture in this space. And when I think, okay, I'm going to go down to South America, I'm completely unnerved. Like, who would I talk to? Who would the contacts be? How would I know what to do? How do you you know the language? I mean, there's like 10,000 questions that pop up of how do you make that work? So how did you even start with that? You just, you don't know any of those things. Just go for it. (laughs) Really? And then you learn along the way. Really? Yes. So what was the hardest thing you had to learn? Or what was one of your biggest lessons? What kind of obstacles did you run into trying to figure that out? I think, like you said, just the unknown. I mean, so many anxieties come up, you know, when you think about having a new experience or reaching a goal or reaching for a dream that you've had. But there's so many unknowns. It almost makes you not want to do it. Oh, yeah. But just, um, I think once you start intentionally thinking about it, it's amazing what resources come and what comes your way to help you get over those. And I've just noticed for myself, of course, once I do something once, then the next time those, those anxieties go so far down. And so if you can just get past that first time, you know, mm-hmm. but of course there's so many other people who have done it. There's so many resources out there. There's so many tips and tricks. So for us, I'd say, um, what would you say helped us just at, talking around, asking, and then just working through those unknowns, I guess. And I mean, we'd studied, you know, a little language, but we didn't know the language. We didn't know a lot of people down there, but we knew people who did. So we had a trusted in-country person who we could go to. And I think it just comes from our childhood, like um, Steve was saying. And we also had this other project in Logan called the Lows and Fishes Cache Valley, um, which was to bring people of all different cultures and ethnicities and socioeconomic backgrounds together you know to share a meal Mm -hmm. and so just getting out of your comfort zone in that way locally helps you overcome you know if you want to travel farther away of course and I I think we've always had an adventurous side to us so it was actually quite exciting but um yeah what do they say excitement and fear are the same feeling right (laughs) (laughs) right it's just how you channel it yeah exactly (laughs) and um I'm a news junkie and I it was just so interesting for me to hear all these bad things about traveling and all these restricted areas and the diseases you could get and just how how sheltered and protected we had to be to live our lives and when I actually got out of that and saw and interacted with the people and the communities 
um, it is a completely different story. What is the story? Um, they are kind and they are gentle. They're peaceful. Um, I don't know why we're so anxiety-ridden, and I'm not. I'm, I don't want to label the U.S. in this way, but um, almost to try to instill fear in in you. Um, no diseases, you know, not not to the capacity that that they put out on the news or anything like that. And uh, I it's felt like no matter where you live, there's going to be some crime. There's going to be some things going on. But if you take precautions and are in the right, you know, in the safe places and with the right people, then, I mean, it's you can go anywhere. So what countries have you been to? Um, we have been to Guatemala and Africa, well, uh, Uganda and Kenya. Um, and then... Others in the Caribbean. Um, yeah, that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just the just that that plain sense of of community is what we felt, and we felt totally safe. I mean, we we're taking all of our kids with us, uh, our, a six month old, and handing them over to local women and letting them just carry him around the village, helping out. I felt totally safe doing that. And if you're if you want trouble, you'll you'll find it. You'll look for it. You'll find it. Um, if you want to get into all the, the drugs and the crimes of what you hear on TV, then you'll go seeking for it. But that's not what yeah, we're which into. You can find in your backyard, too. Yeah. You know, you guys are so brave. <laughs> you, seriously, you are so brave to even do that, to even head out there, not knowing if that's if that was the way it was going to be. Yeah. And you, you know, you push in into that courage and then find out that it's not as scary as it's been painted but you don't know that going in it's true yeah it's so true you don't know and that's the best part right because you don't know it's an adventure (laughs) oh huge so steve what was the hardest part for you with all of this making it happen maybe the hardest part for me is probably trying to find out a way to provide financially to do it and then making sure that it's a good experience for my kids um but it was that barrier was quickly overcome, um, realizing that if you, whatever you focus on is going to happen. If mm. you want something, uh, and if you want something bad enough, then you will get it essentially. And I, it, I'm, I'm still blown away that how, how it still happens and how things still occur. But, um, we just we put the desire out there and we work toward that desire and then things come to fruition with god's help and grace of course so many miracles yeah. that we've seen which is one of the best parts of the whole share experience one, share one of those miracles will you Okay, there's a couple that come to my mind because, you know, for myself, I was probably the one who wanted to do it more at the first. And so I had had this desire to go on more of a humanitarian trip and to, you know, have that project in Logan that takes, you know, it takes a lot of time and and resources and energy. And so Steve was supportive, but it was more me doing it at the first. So I would just pray that he would kind of have the same desire as me and of course he was always supported from the first but then over time just seeing how he's come to that same level as me that's been a miracle and it's been her biggest dream to have the family serve together on a humanitarian expedition or a trip yeah and so then of course from there uh, then we didn't know financially how we could do it um and you know we just make a moderate income and you know we're just average totally average people and 
just seeing how God provided us one trip and then another and then another and then multiple in a year and how, of course, we had to work and save and and do things. But I mean, we just thought it would not be possible. And then the work with Royal Caribbean, getting time off for Steve, this was a miracle because one year we had two humanitarian trips planned and we didn't even know if Steve would be able to take the second one with his time off, but it did work out. But then when we returned home, we found out that he actually didn't have enough days that he had to take some unpaid time leave. And so Steve was kind of a little worried, but I said, I actually think that's perfect. I think that just now we actually know that you can take unpaid time leave and we did not know that before. And then the following year, we had eight weeks of travel planned and before our threshold that we thought was possible was around what three to four and and then his work worked with him you know to make those other trips possible and that other work with royal caribbean which was such a blessing for our family so it was just you know just one thing after another of, of miracles happening. i love i love these stories where yeah. where you just somebody has something in their heart they have something that they really really want compelled yes and and just by the focus like you said just by the focus and the intent and of course the hard work but the interesting thing to me is we can work hard at at many things and that's a big component but the interesting thing is all the serendipity and all the stuff that flows to you too that that you have no control over but that comes to you to help you create things those are really cool things so our biggest lesson I guess is that we are not in control of course we are not in control God is in control and he loves all of his children everywhere so um you take other families with you too, right? These humanitarian projects, it's not just you and your family. You put together big groups of people to go down and take on these projects. Yeah. Tell me a little yes. about that. Like we said, we have, you know, partners that we partnered with from the first and other directors. So, um, yeah, we, it's, we call them expeditions and they're volunteers who sign up and, and join us for the trips. Um, we've had up to 50, 60, 70 people come, all ages, and we just, we plan the projects, of course, by what the village, our in-country director is researching and they're working throughout the whole year, you know, and then we come for about 10 days to help with some hands-on stuff that's going on at that time. So we usually go in the summer and around Christmas time on these trips and their families that come and we've seen lives changed for sure. And serving with your family is, there's nothing like it. So what if somebody wanted to do that with you? Is there a website or how would they get a hold of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's familyhumanitarian.org and uh, has all of our expeditions and who we're at, who we are and everything that we believe in on there. Um, what do you believe in, Steve? I, be, I believe in love. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, really. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the biggest things that is one of my biggest drivers for us doing this is having our kids have an open mind and an open heart. And we've really been able to see that um, as we've traveled and just see how their lives have been impacted. What have you seen? Like, can you give me an example, something with your kids, their responses? Oh, yeah. Uh, So our our oldest boy, this just always comes to to my memory and I will never forget this, is we we have meals that are prepared um, and they're, they're made really well. Uh, up to U.S. standards so people don't get sick, even though you can't guarantee everything. Everybody has to have at least one sick experience to (laughs) to get the real effect of traveling internationally. (laughs) Um, 
Part but, of the adventure. Yeah. <laughs> but as we sit in this common area and eat our food, all the villagers are surrounding the building. And um, these buildings are made from cedar slabs or cedar boards. And so there's cracks throughout the whole, around the whole building. And, and they're looking in, they're peeking in. Um, and it, it's really hard. And it's really difficult because do you just give them a fish or do you teach them how to fish? And so we, we really encourage that there's, there be no gifting allowed on our expeditions and that uh, people eat as much food as they can and take what they're going to eat and don't waste anything. Um, uh, anyway, um, we got home from an expedition and our son was sitting at the, the dinner table and one of the first things that came out of his mouth is says, I am starving, when are we gonna eat? And just a few seconds later, he caught himself and he said, um, actually, I'm not starving. I'm just, I'm really hungry. And you knew at that moment that he had uh, a really significant experience in country that impacted him to see what it's like to really go without food. And he's, he probably saw some people in the medical clinic who were extremely malnourished, who um, only have one tortilla for every meal, so three tortillas a day. And that's all they've lived on, and uh, they drink dirty water. Uh, some people have to go and fetch uh, water from the stream where, you know, the cows drink, share the same water. So, those experiences. Um, it registered with him, yeah. and you, you saw that. Yeah. yeah, and just the friends. They love going back to see the friends they've made, the interactions they have, and the way our children can interact with people around us now. It's just, it's it's so lovely for us, you know, when people say, wow, your kids are, they can come to a new situation. They're just so friendly and they can interact and make friends, you know, and of course you do not have to travel internationally to do that, but our children are, yeah, they're open, I, I hope, and we've seen, we've seen them be like, open. That feels so exciting to me that yeah. they are, that you're giving them, like yeah. we said, this gift, but this set of experiences, because the domino effect, the far-reaching effect of what you're actually giving them, you probably don't even realize. Yeah. You know, they're, the social skills you're providing for them, the insights, the perceptions, the the possibilities for their future, yeah. you know, what they conceive of and yes. what they can understand about the people they interact yeah. with, those are huge. And getting out of their comfort zones, you know, because, yeah, yeah one time on one of the trips, one of the... Our, son was younger I think he was probably four or five and he was having a hard time on those first few days we arrived you know I mean he was so far from any comforts that he knew and he was just melting down and I just sat him on the stair and I, you know I just said I know it's so hard I know you're so far from home you're this is really uncomfortable but you can do this you know and and I hope I hope that he remembers that, you know, and that's what we're teaching them, that you can do it no matter what it is. One of the other things I wanted to touch on about um, what we're about is Rachel alluded to earlier that we focus on uh, village-driven community projects and and hopefully changing uh, communities through local leaders that we identify and they're able to make the change. There are two sides to poverty. There's the poverty of the developed world and poverty of the undeveloped world. So in a, in a developed world, our wealth is essentially homes and money and cars resources, and resources and money opportunities. Yeah, uh, that, that, that surround us. 
and we look at uh, poverty. Systems, yeah, systems and water and infrastructure, mm-hmm. and we look at poverty as, as all those things that are opposite of that. Don't people the communities that don't have infrastructure, who don't have education, who don't have money. But then you have to think about well, what is their wealth? What uh, what is the wealth of these people in developing countries? And what you find is community and relationships and nature and time. And what's interesting is that becomes our poverty in a developing world. Um, we lack time. We lack relationships. Mm. We, we lack um, good quality time out in nature. And what an interesting perspective. Yeah. And so what the beautiful thing about it with, these, um, with these expeditions is we're actually combating first world and third world poverty. But more just first world, you know, because... Yes, we bring them we bring them some hope of resources and stuff and just trying, you know, from what they desire to give them those opportunities for books and libraries and schools and education. But mostly it changes our lives because these people are so gracious to let us come and serve them. So it's such a win-win. It's such a win-win. And there's countless numbers of, of people who have come on expeditions whose lives have been completely changed and altered. Um, and we could tell you stories for hours of these individuals. Um, tell me one. Well, I think there's uh, one that actually just happened last Christmas. This boy um, was really nervous and scared to go, and his his mom took him along. And um, he opened up, and he found himself, and he didn't want to leave. And when she asked him... Um, when they wanted to do their next family trip and where it wanted to be and and if they wanted to go to Disneyland he said no I want to come back here this is where I want to be I don't want to go to Disneyland I want to come right back here and so they're actually going to be joining us again uh, this Christmas is Christmas the next one there's one coming up actually in just a couple of weeks at the end of June to Guatemala central Guatemala is where we go really yeah do you have room left on that Yes, for <laughs> special people. <laughs> it's full, but you know. I we know people. Like Lori Lee in. <laughs> I feel a little special. <laughs> but yeah, the, definitely just my end thing is that serving, no matter where you serve, it helps open up your heart to love. And Mother Teresa, mm. she says my favorite quote, which is, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm. And I think families are what changes the world. So absolutely, serving as a family, serving other families, helping families become more strong in love and unity and education and open minds and open hearts. That's that's true. That's true growth for our in the world. Absolutely, you guys are doing so much good. I love it. It, it was actually very, very interesting because. Rachel had a very difficult time with a lot of postpartum uh, things with the kids. Hormones. A lot of <laughs> hormones. Um, but also she was depressed a lot, and she'd have really drastic mood swings. And and um, it, it seemed like service was the only thing that, f- that uh, lifted her out of that despair. Mm. Yeah, it saved me, that's for sure. One of the top tools for healing and getting rid of those demons in the mind. So really quick, how did you get your big Instagram following? Well, actually it started off with our humanitarian work. 
uh, we just started posting a lot of pictures of us traveling as a family. Because Steve's a really good photographer, really. <laughs> he has a natural gift. <laughs> and then uh, people just started saying, wow, this is so cool. Like, I didn't realize you could continue traveling once you had kids. And we <laughs> said, well, absolutely you can. That, why should that stop you? And so it, also, it just became a source of inspiration for people that wanted to get out and to con- continue being adventurous or taking their family traveling. Um, and then from there, we started incorporating some of our outdoor things we like to do as a family. So it was a mix of travel and outdoor. So it really just became an adventure family. And then brands started reaching out to us. And then from um, early on with a lot of partnerships, um, you know, they would promote us and, and we would promote them, vice versa. And then we started getting into a lot of Instagram strategies. We started really studying it. So we, we started to find out, well, who is our audience and what is it they like? And, um, and then trying to, to cater to, okay, what is it that they're wanting and what is it they need that will satisfy what they're looking for? Um, so it, it kind of grew from there. And then it, it's a lot harder now in Instagram because it's, it's becoming really saturated. Um, but um, you, you find out other like, you, you find out other, I wouldn't say competitors, because the, the beautiful thing about Instagram is it's, it's a community. But you find out who else is similar to you and you look at who their followers are and mm. then you start interacting with those followers and commenting on on their stuff so then they start recognizing you and then the algorithms yeah, start yeah algorithms start picking things up and then you start becoming featured in other um, feeds that's a lot of work yeah it, it was a lot of work um, a lot of work <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, it's it's, it's been a part time job yeah it's been very rewarding and we've had uh, partnerships with many brands that have have helped us mm-hmm. and. Well, kudos, kudos to you guys excellent, for excellent making it work. So grateful. So in parting, um, what advice would you give to people about how to create your life on purpose? And, you know, you when you come up against that fear, right, or of the unknown or the out of your comfort zone because, you know, everybody hits that wall, um, what advice would you give about how, how to live the way that you guys are and everybody has a different on purpose, right? Mm-hmm, you know, everybody's definitely. not going to want to do no. the family travel thing, but exactly. everybody has something, yes. a way that they want to create it. But yes. there's always going to be the fear and the unknown when you're pushing into new yeah. territory. So what do we need to know about how to do that? I'd say just remember excitement and fear are the same feeling. So <laughs> view it as excitement. And every and time you feel scared, it. just be like, I'm so excited. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> just re, re, return the word, you know, and remember only growth only comes outside of that comfort zone. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd have to agree with that when you're stretched and you have to find out what it is that you really, what really drives you. And then don't wait for that because uh, so, all too often we would hear from other people, oh, how do you get to travel? Um, it's, I'd love to do that someday. I'll do that, or when I'm older, or when I'm retired, when I'm uh, when I can actually do it. Well, the time is now, and find out what what your your desire is and what you value, and seek after it and go for it. Um, there's there's no time to waste. There's no time to lose. Yeah, and you can only you can only change fear into excitement if you know how to get quiet inside of yourself. And find those quiet spaces, wherever they might be. For each person, it's totally different. But you have to be 
disconnected from noise and other distractions to do it. And so that's definitely my, one of my top advice to people. What, what about the word persistence? What does that mean to you guys in the realm that you create? Yes, I love that word. <laughs> so you have to go through the ups and the downs. There will be, yeah, hard times, good times, sadness, you know, joy, all rolled into one. And that's what makes it, that's what makes it the ultimate when you reach your dream, you know? Yeah, and with with that persistence, you talked about it a little bit earlier, but many times we have felt out of place and like we don't belong or why are we living where we do? Um, why don't we just spend full time on the road with our people? And um, I think we've been able to find a balance between both worlds and still be able to provide what we think our children need in both areas, but it's, it hasn't been easy. It's been very hard. There's been times when we've questioned. We've really had to think hard about it and pray and find out what what is it that really brings us true happiness and we keep going back to that and that's I think what what drives us is is that purpose uh, what is our purpose and how do we continue you have to know your why right yeah have you read the book the alchemist of course I <laughs> love that book and that book I do not know how this was one of those little miracles on some of my beginning little mission trips when I was feeling that, you know, that unknown and, and just having so many questions, this few key books came into my hands and that was one of them. And that book really, really like changed my, helped change my mindset and helped keep me going in persistence. I it's, love that book. It's a phenomenal book. And somebody used yes. the term spiritual alchemy with me the other day when they were talking about, um, you know, overcoming, coming out of victim, coming out of something difficult, and not staying in in victim space, and and you know, getting quiet and using faith and all of these spiritual tools, right? Yes. And and they termed it spiritual alchemy, and I thought, I love that. That's a great term. Yes, I, I'm going to start using that. Yes, thank you. Me too. <laughs> I love it. Well, I thank you so much for sharing your your journey and your wonderful experiences and what you have going on. I'm glad you were on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. So talking with you. <laughs> loved so many things about this interview with the Von Niederhausers, but one of the things that really stood out to me was this idea of developed countries and developing countries and the difference between wealth and poverty that we talked about toward the, the beginning of the interview. How for us in the developed country, that money and houses and education and all of those things are what we you know we feel like we have this superior life because we have all of this abundance um, but we have you know but in the developing countries what they have is the connections and the relationship and more time they're not caught up in the social media and um, the their connection with nature so what we consider and and we our poverty is that we do not have those things so it's it's 
what's considered wealth and what's considered poverty in a developed country versus in an undeveloped country. And that's, that's very interesting food for thought. These are all just ideas and thoughts. I'm totally impressed with how Steve and Rachel have built their life on purpose and for their family, the things that they're creating. And I bring this interview to you today as a special celebration of that because this is what we talk about, creating whatever it is that you want on purpose for your family. Thank you for being here on the Love Your Story podcast today. I hope you have found some food for thought. If you would do me the favor, pretty please, um, blessings on you. If you wouldn't mind getting on and leaving us a review if you enjoy this podcast and also passing it along, share the love, forward this to somebody that you think would find value in it. And maybe that means just posting it on your Facebook page or sending it to a friend or a family member. Say, hey, I I got something out of this. This was a neat episode. Um, Here's a little uplift for your day. So love you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you. um, Those of you that are the loyal listeners and followers of Love Your Story, go out and create wonderful things. And when you fall down, get back up. We'll see you next week on the Love Your Story podcast.